0: Remember all that Holland talk a week ago from the pundits and football world about him making Manchester City worse? Well, Erling has responded to his critics with four goals in two games. We had a remarkable finish between Arsenal and Manchester United in what may be reigniting an old rivalry between these two clubs. And we tell you how it all went down today on the supporter section. Grab your scarves. We start right now. Welcome into the Supporter Section. I am Cole Carter, and this is episode 54 of the Supporter Sections podcast. Go ahead and leave a like and subscribe if you have not already, because today's episode is going to be a good one. And I have my two good friends here with me, Stephen Curl and Brandon Patesnick. Brandon, I will start with you. And what was your favorite soccer-related thing that you saw this week?
1: Well, of course I have to say an Aston Villa win, people. We are three points off of six, so you better watch out. But probably better than that was our friend John Kissel coming up on short notice too, just coming up, so sort of surprising me this weekend. He brought some snow with him, which was awesome. It was sort of cold, really pretty, it was really nice. We had a good time. But while I'm watching the Premier League, I think it might have been on Sunday. John whips out his phone. It starts playing Ultimate Team on FIFA Mobile. <laughs> Now, this is our friend John. He does like all sports, but he was really into Ultimate Team on the FIFA Bowl, and it had me dead. So that sort of made my weekend,
2: yeah.
0: Wow. Steven, what about you? What was your favorite
2: soccer thing you saw this week? That's amazing. Uh, Real quick, I can see John yelling on your couch right now, just going, bro, come on, just pass the ball. Uh, But going to me, my favorite thing in soccer this week was... Alexis and I have been binge-watching the Sunderland docuseries, Sunderland Till I Die. Um, and Sunderland played Middlesbrough, who's sixth right now in the championship, and they got the win. And the top of the championship table looks insane right now. Sunderland is three points off of third place. Uh, a team that got relegated in back-to-back seasons back in 2018, 2017 and 2018. Um, so yeah, they got the win against Middlesbrough, big dub for them. So it's kind of turning into our little, uh, a little fun side project of, Hey, is Sunderland going to come up in the Premier League? We'll see. So they got the dub. So away the lads. I love that.
0: My favorite thing recently has been this guy on Instagram. His name is Rory Paints. And speaking of Erling Holland in the intro, he does paintings of Erling Holland almost daily, practically And he's had some fun ones. him as the coat guy. Um, This is just him doing tons of different things. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, Really entertaining guy. And he's done some very interesting ones that maybe are a little surprising and shocking, but hilarious nonetheless. Always fun to see soccer-related content on the interwebs. Let's jump into things. Our first segment of the day is we're almost close to the end of the January transfer window, which means there are moves being made here at the last minute, the procrastinators of January are trying to make their moves, Brandon, and you have some news regarding transfers in January, don't you?
1: Yeah, I have the answers for your transfers, people. Chelsea, how many times oh, have we boy. said their names? <laughs> they, are, they have bought another player, um, Madueke. Hey, they're picking people from all over. This guy's from PSV Eindhoven, though, um, where Cody Gakpo came from. They bought him for just a cool 35 million, million euros, We'll see what happens with that. They're just they're just filling their team with money. Um, hopefully it's well spent for them, but I guess time will tell on that. Um, so supposedly they're in for a guy from Lyon. Is it Steve? I want to say is Lyon. I saw today. They might get that over the line too. They have a little over a week, so yeah. Chelsea's crazy. Um, we saw a report on this last week. Chris Wood does make his loan move to Nottingham Forest from Newcastle. That did happen. Also, Danny Ings did transfer to West Ham for 12 million pounds. Let's see. Any other big ones? This is sort of a big one. Um, Wolves signed center back Craig Dawson from West Ham for 3.3 million pounds. Sort of a stall work in in that defense. I'm really surprised that West Ham let him go. But – this is a good move for Wolves, Tighten up their defense. He's been in and around the bottom um, before. He'll pro- hopefully keep them up, I guess, is, is the thought on that one. Um, Arsenal make a good signing. Um, this I think his name is Jacob Kiwiar from Spezia for €25 million. Euros. Um, Brighton pick up another no-name kid from Sweden for €6 million. Euros. Probably going to see him soon. Um he's probably going to be really good. Oh, this is a big one. Arsenal. Do signed Trussard. We did sort of mention this last week. Um, from Brighton on a permanent deal, 21 million pounds with 5 million add-on. I guess there was some bad blood between the coach and Trussard. Brighton got him out of there quickly. Hopefully he'll fit out Arsenal. He looked pretty good against Man United this past week. Didn't have much time, I guess, in, in the game. I think he only played maybe 10 minutes, yeah. if that. But, um, yeah, that's probably everything. Anything I missed there, Cole?
0: Nothing very major. We're just still sitting here in Atlanta with no big moves made. So running out of time for Atlanta United, the local boys. But, Stephen, on the rumor side of things, what have you got for us today?
2: Oh, yeah, we're going to get kicked off with Kyle Norton's curly-haired boy, um, Mateo Ganduzzi, the former Arsenal player, uh, and Aston Villa in Lynx working on a deal right now um, to get sealed in probably, who knows, maybe this week with medicals going on. Uh, but I think, Brandon, he wants to join in June, though, correct? Kind of looking like a summer transfer potentially. Yeah, potentially. I think we'd probably want him now.
1: Um, I know Marseille just signed a midfielder that is coming in June, so that's probably looking more likely for the summer from what I've read but I know Villa's pushing towards the end of this window to get it done
2: love it love it love it um AC Milan are also on the docker right now and have approached uh Roma for young Italian I think he's now 23 22 Nicola Zanilo. Um, had a great Euros in 2020. His market value back then was 55 million. Right now, it's dipped a little bit. Um, talks are in place right now with a loan with an obligation to buy clause. Um, AC Milan would offer 22 million to 25 million euros, while Roma are kind of looking in that 35 to 40 million uh, euro range, closer to that great summer he had at the Euros with Italy. Um, and then. Lo and behold, Tottenham's in there and said, hey, what about us? Um, how about a loan, right? Um, so Tottenham definitely the on the backburners there. But, hey, they're in the conversation. Um, moving right along with the rumors, uh, like Brandon mentioned earlier, Chelsea. Gosh, I'm starting to hate them more than Arsenal, honestly. Uh, Chelsea are in talks with Olympic Lyon for left back, uh, I believe, Malagosto. Um, Understand personal terms are already agreed on a long-term deal and the player is open to the move because why the hell not? Um, uh, There's Chelsea and Daddy Warbucks, um, Todd Bowley at it again. (laughs) Um, And this is a little bit less likely, but if there's anything I've learned in this January transfer window, it's that, you know, Chelsea, you know, spending money. Why not Um, preparing another bid for Enzo? um fernandez on benfica's side and we talked about this last week that he's staying put you know hits scores the gold kisses the badge i'm staying here but money talks money talks uh benfica looking for 120 million euros i don't think this is going to happen but because it's chelsea because their transfer history so far this month we have to talk about it um so that's out there in the works, maybe, who knows. Um, going to Colonize team, Tottenham, Hotspur, and Pedro Porro. <sighs> I'm preparing myself for it not happening, but it's looking a little bit more encouraging. Pedro Porro, um, the right back for Sporting. Um Fabrizio Romano, literally by the time we were recording this, uh, just around an hour ago, tweeting out that there was an additional meeting going on between the Spurs and sporting going on today. Tottenham offering a cool 37 million euros, uh, for this right back, uh, with fixed fees plus add-ons. And this is the interesting part. Also discussing one player to be included as a part of the deal. Um, pretty interesting there. Um, And maybe not a transfer rumor, but for Tottenham fans, while I'm on the subject, might as well be Harry Kane, open to signing a new contract at Spurs. Literally three days ago, it was all but confirmed he's going to Manchester United. So my club's in turmoil right now. Do we make Champions League and have Harry Kane and a good right back and go on and win the title next year? Or are we selling everybody and firing our coach? That's the life of a Tottenham fan. (laughs) Come on aboard. Um, And with that, just a little bit of rumors. Oh, Mauricio Pochettino might manage Spurs if Conte gets fired. This is the kind of shit you have to hear when you support a team like Tottenham. Um, yeah, so that's my soapbox and the transfer rumors going on for you right here from yours truly, Steven Curl.
0: Thank you, Steven. I, I always like to to fall on the side of positive news with Tottenham. You know, I'm oh, hoping yeah. Antonio Conte is staying around. That Harry Kane uh, rumor is obviously the best one you can hear. Having yes. him sign a contract would be the best thing, but Got to get results, but they got one that we'll talk about later in the episode. Um, A good one gets some three points. Well, Match Week 21 went down. There were a lot of great games, a lot of games that had some crazy moments, and uh, the first one certainly had a handful of them. Manchester City hosted our team, Tottenham, and uh, this one was unexpected, to say the least, in many ways. Um, Manchester City had the best opportunities going in the beginning of half of the game. Um, Holland, just a goal-scoring machine, had some good chances in the first 40 minutes, uh, but was unable to actually put them in the back of the net. And Ederson, a guy who likes to live life on the edge. He's always trying to do fancy things with his feet or put a ball into a dangerous area, just maybe doing a little bit too much. And on the first one, he definitely falls short of what he had hoped to do and just gifts Tottenham a goal. Tottenham was pressing close to the box. Bittensencore wins the ball back from, Red, from Rodri. And Kulisewski pounces on it, puts it in the back of the net in the 44th, 44th minute. And out of nowhere, Tottenham gets a goal to go up 1 0 on Man City. And only three minutes later, Tottenham on a counter through Harry Kane. And once again, Harry Kane fighting for the ball, winning it, I think, off of a kanji maybe. Um, wins the rebound, puts a shot on. And then on the shot, uh, Emerson Royale gets the header. And the header puts Tottenham up 2-0 before halftime. Steven, at this point, I mean, we're elated. We're thinking, wow, we've done it again. Man City has had their issues against Tottenham. But within 15 minutes of the second half, Man City, they come back and it's just, oh my gosh, it's 2-2 already. But I have to think. At this point, did we have any optimism, Stephen, that we could come back from 2-2 and still win this game, or had we given up all hope?
2: Here's the thing. I believe I texted both of y'all. After Tottenham were 2-0 up going into halftime, I said, all caps, we're in their MF head, we got their number, <laughs> all this such and such. And it's just about this Manchester City matchup, because we've had their number the past few years. But once we drew, once it was like 2-2, after we were conceding the way we were, I thought we could have lost 6-2. Um, to it, it You just couldn't look interested into the game, Tottenham. It, we didn't look threatening whatsoever. Manchester City bossed us around. It was, at that moment, you just hope, hold on for the draw, and it was just sad. It was so sad. Um, so, I, not to go into depth right now, but... I personally did not have any optimism. I was flying high as a kite uh, going into halftime, surely 2-0. The second half is when we come alive anyway, so this should work out for our benefit. Um, But that didn't end up to be the case.
0: No, and the the person that really was the game changer on the day, I think was Riyad Mahrez. Uh, He was the one that actually got the first goal going. Uh, Ivan Perisic had a rough day. Um, in that wing back position for Tottenham. Um, Julian Alvarez gets a goal. He got the first one off of Mares putting a goal in the box. It's kind of just a mess in front of goal. He puts it away, goes 2-1 the 51st minute. Only three minutes later, Rodri plays a great ball uh, to a cutting Mares who gets the ball to Erling Haaland, who heads it home over a diving Hugo Lloris. So it's 2-2, like we said. Um, and then in the 60th minute, we had a kind of, Perfect example of what Conte ball can look like. Some great passes. Um, Harry Kane plays a great through ball to Kuliszewski, who puts in a great ball to Ivan Perisic, who's literally just open in front of goal. I mean, it's just like one of those moments you could not be more open and just puts it right into the Manchester City defender, Rico Lewis, who gets it off the line at that point, rejects Tottenham's go-ahead 3-2 goal. And just from that point on, it was all Manchester City. Uh, like I said, he struggled on the defensive side of Perisic in the 63rd minute, only three minutes after his chance. Mahrez does his thing again, and he gets into the box, gets a nice, perfect deflected pass that goes into the goal. Pass to puts him up 3-2. And then a penalty shout actually came in the 82nd minute, Brandon. You were you saw this one. I, I kind of fall on one side that may not agree with you, but I want to hear your thoughts if you thought it was a penalty or not.
1: I think most games, if not all, that's given as a penalty. And, in fact, I think this was a very similar motion. Uh, what game was it? I think it was last year, maybe two years ago, with Eric Dyer went up. It was, like, one of the first games of the year, I want to say. Eric Dyer went up, not even facing the ball, his arm's what? out extended and hits his arm.
2: Um, it was Newcastle. Remember. I remember that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It looked like the exact it. same thing. Yeah. Um, I think the only argument you could say is that it hits him on the bottom part of his sleeve, maybe. And I know that's sort of a rule nowadays, like where the, the sleeve length, like that's okay for it to hit on your arm, but no, I think that's a pretty much like a nine and a half out of 10 handball in the box penalty. I was surprised it wasn't given.
0: Steve, what do you think?
2: Uh, I'm on board with my boy, Brandon here. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't – yeah. I mean, you see it given uh, more more times often than not. I'm not necessarily so passionate about it that I'll – oh, my God. But, um, yeah, I, I I think it was a penalty. Yeah, I
0: think the conclusion they thought they came to was it came maybe more off his shoulder blade somehow. Um, I'm okay with it not being given just to keep Tottenham in the game and yeah. – I mean, it's So it's hard on those when he's, you're really trying to get out of the way. I think, you know, it's hard to say. Um, ultimately, it's not given those. So it doesn't really matter. Um, and it ultimately didn't matter for Tottenham because in the 90th minute, Ederson plays a long ball like he typically does just to kind of waste time. And Clement Longley just, I don't know what he's thinking. He opens his body up, tries to catch the ball on his thigh, completely misses it. And Mares is there to pounce on the goal, basically a one-on-one with Hugo Lloris. Puts it away. Chips over the keeper for 4-2. Puts Tottenham in the dirt into their self-made coffin. And the final score ends there. 4-2 in favor of Manchester City. They go second in the league. And really after this one, my only thoughts were just, we could have had that. But we self-imploded like we have, just like against Arsenal. And many other times this season, we're conceding more goals than we ever have. And it's just it's just not... What we expected going in this season, but it's where we find ourselves now with a leaky defense, and I think that Clement Longley thing at the the end was just kind of wrapping that all up in a nice, pretty bow, Stephen. So, as a Tottenham fan, for you, prior to the Fulham game, what was your where was your mind at after this Manchester City loss to, uh, on Thursday?
2: Yeah, prior to the Fulham game, uh, which we'll get into a little bit later, uh, is if you're playing against Tottenham, center backs kick the ball in the air, and they don't know what to do. Um, Lingley had that glaring um, mishap for sure. But, I mean, it's everybody. It's, it's Davies one week. It's Dyer the next week. It's these Tottenham center backs. You can exempt Romero, kind of. Um, he's been playing well. But it's just the defense as a whole has just been absolutely abysmal. And I will say that this Manchester City game specifically, I found myself getting more upset about this game than any Tottenham game in recent memory, because, again, like Antonio Conte, you're handed a two-0 lead at halftime. What are you going to do about it, right? Like, yeah, it, it's just, it's just buckling under the pressure. There's no, there's no creativity from open play. There's no goals from open play. you were handed two goals from Manchester City's insane defensive blunders i don't know what they were thinking in the first half and you see pep you see a coach makes adjustments at halftime and absolutely wipes the floor with tottenham in the second half scoring four unanswered goals in the premier league against a team that's supposed to be challenging for a champions league is absolutely hilarious and i think it's time for like tottenham has to be real with themselves right like just figure it out. Pick your team and figure it out. Like, whether it's three in the back, whether it's four in the back, I don't know. But it's it's in January, and somehow, some way, we're in fifth place right now. It's – I don't know how. But things are bad, and the temptation is to see, oh, well, we almost had City. No, you didn't. You ne- like, you fooled me. It fooled me give it, getting two goals in two minutes right before half, but um, to give it away, to give that lead away that quickly and that unconvincingly against Manchester City, who's, like, you can't even get a draw, like, not even that. You give up four goals in the second half. When you're a second-half team, it's just, the mentality's not there. To me, it's, it's coaching, but... Um, that, those are my raw emotions after that loss i i literally was in a bad mood in a very bad mood like the rest of the day
0: fair enough brandon for you on the manchester city side of things does this result show that they are still not out of this title race and that they should still be vying for that against Arsenal
1: yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, this result and the one, I don't think we're going to talk about it, but they won against, was it Wolves? Uh, yeah. yeah. for nothing. where Holland had a hat trick. He's insane. Um, yeah, like, they, they're starting to turn it on, I think. Um, also, one thing I wanted to mention with the Man City, like, after half, no subs were made. That was that was the same team from the first half. It, it didn't it wasn't like Kevin De Bruyne came in, you know, Foden came in, whoever it was. Like no subs were made. It was the same team from the first half that played in the second half. And that's what I don't understand about Conte. It's like you're you're one of these great managers who can win trophies and I don't know, maybe he is just a tournament manager and can't really see it see a season out. I don't know. We're halfway through. Um, I, I think Man City specifically, I think they're definitely, they're well in the title race. Um, show they're shown character coming back against Tottenham. Um, they could have capitulated. They didn't and good for them. Tottenham. I think this game goes a different way. If that shot from Parasich goes in, um, really can't believe he missed that. Uh, on a different day, you say you could probably say that goes in. Who knows? You go on and win that game or tie it. Um so I don't know. I think Tottenham was really close to getting result here. So I wouldn't be too beat up about it, but I do understand the frustrations that you have, Stephen Cole, you probably have as well. And other Tottenham fans, like coming off of this game, just like we were gifted something, we couldn't hold on to it. It's been the same story for most of the year. Uh, at least recent recent year. Um so, yeah, weird, weird game, tough game for Tottenham.
0: Very weird, very tough. But at the end of the day, Tottenham, they still sit fifth in the Premier League table, uh, just behind Manchester United and Newcastle, um, and above Brighton, Hove, Albion. Uh, so they're still sitting comfortably in fifth, um, totally not out of the Champions League race. Um, but their next game that they have coming up is actually against Manchester City again, so their work is certainly cut out for them. Uh, but two teams that are not where they want to be in the least bit are Liverpool and Chelsea. These two clubs have been struggling more than they ever have, it seems, in recent memory. Uh, close to the bottom half of the table, I think sitting, is it ninth and 10th or 8th and ninth? It is ninth and 10th, so not looking good for these two teams. Uh, well, they went up against each other after two finals matchups last season, and this one ended nil-nil, Brandon. Um, what was sort of your take and breakdown on this one? What kind of happened in this one?
1: Um, not much to to really say, I don't think. I think nil-nil, or at least a draw is a fair result. Um, neither team really were, were incisive. There weren't any clear-cut chances I want to say Chelsea probably had the better of the, the chances, but it's really hard to say. Um, yeah, uh, it was really boring, to be honest. It was a really boring game. I will say uh, Mudrick, the signing from Shakhtar, looked looked pretty good, looked pretty bright when he, when he was on. So that's, that's exciting to see, I guess. Um, but no goals in a Liverpool-Chelsea game? That's sort of weird. Uh, I think it just shows where these two teams are at right now.
0: Yeah, Mudrick, he definitely had one good one. He could have had a second goal or a second good opportunity had he settled the ball, just goes out of bounds. Um, And Havertz had that goal um, called for offside, I think the first 10 minutes or so. So, yeah, not a whole lot of chances, not very pretty. Uh, But this one, especially for Liverpool, It's just the way their season has gone. It's sort of looking like we might be reaching the end of an era, potentially. Um, It's just sort of strange. I mean, it's just like Mo Salah is not who he used to be. and We've talked about this many times, a handful of them. The absence of Sadio Mane has been literally insurmountable for Liverpool. They cannot get out of the shadow that he's left. And they're sitting ninth right now on the table. And it just doesn't look like they're that same special team these past four or five years and um yeah it's it's hard to see where they can go from here um but starting i guess for liverpool what can we expect to see from them the rest of the season can we expect them to even get into one of those european spots steve are we thinking they might just have to press reset and figure this all out and just kind of take
2: this season as a loss Sorry, there we go. Yeah, I think that um, I think they're gonna qualify for a European spot. Uh, I think Jurgen Klopp's too good of a coach, honestly. Um, Cody Gakpo let them find their their his footing. Darwin Nunez, I mean, he can't have as bad as a second half as he did the first half. Um, and I think they'll figure it out. Like lo and behold, they also have Mohamed Salah that can score a lot of goals as well. So they still have a lot of depth in this team. They struggle with some injuries um it's so funny in this chelsea game james Milner started at right back and then as soon as mudrick got on the field james Milner committed a yellow card and he got out of there um and trent came on <laughs> i think that's a huge part of this team as well we've talked a little bit about trent and this liverpool side but this man if he can start assisting some goals and putting some balls in the box that's his strong suit so i wouldn't i would not count liverpool out whatsoever um, or Chelsea for that matter. I think both these teams finish in a European place because that's just hard to bet against them, even though, the, to Brandon's point, the game did not look that enticing. Um, but, yeah, my money's on Liverpool to finish in the top six. I would be absolutely shocked if they do not.
0: Brandon, if you had to pick one of these two teams to finish higher than the other, maybe a European spot, who would you take of the two?
1: Really, really tough. Uh, For the record, I think both of them probably will reach a European spot by the end of the year. Currently, they're only two points off of it. Um, I I would say Liverpool. I think something about Champions League, I said it last week, something about Champions League really turns them on. And when they get in that Champions League mindset they're really scary. They're a really, really good team. And so maybe it just takes that February 1st game of the Champions League to wake them up. You know, I know Luis Diaz is coming back at some point, and you probably haven't heard that name in a while, but he was tearing up the Premier League when he was healthy. So, uh, yeah, them getting healthy I think will help. Klopp will get the boys right, I'm sure. But, I mean, I'm definitely panicked if panicking if I'm a Liverpool fan you start when Liverpool haven't looked up the table in what three years. Um, so it's it's sort of weird to be in this position for them. Uh, but if I were betting, I would bet that Liverpool would definitely find a European spot but most likely both of them.
0: Okay, I like it I like it. Well there's two teams that have seemingly replaced them at least this season the changing of the guard. And it's Arsenal and Manchester United. This was an awesome matchup, uh, one that was highly anticipated. Uh, The two clubs that used to be old rivals going at it again. And Marcus Rashford, he got the scoring open in the 17th minute with a beauty, beauty, beauty of a goal from outside the box. Uh, Gets the ball, plays around Partey, and then knuckles a ball from about 25 yards out. I mean, Aaron Ramsdale had no chance on this one. That gets his ninth goal this season and 6 goals in his last 9 games. This man is on fire. Well, Eddie Nketiah, he actually responds in the 24th minute with a header at the 6-yard line, beating Wambasaka at the back post, and a great assist by Granit Xhaka. So, 1-1, going into the second half, things start to flip in favor of Arsenal because Bukaya Saka, which in his own words, says he scored the best goal of his career from outside the box in about the 53rd minute. I mean, it's just like... Sublime, Brennan. For you, is this really his best goal, do you think? Um, I'm a pretty big soccer fan now.
1: I don't know what all of his goals would look like, but, man, what a goal. I think it's probably probably better than Rashford's on the day. Uh, it's hard. But, yeah, soccer, man, this kid is, is really something else. I've been saying it, top 20 player in the world. He is phenomenal poster child of Arsenal right now, and he's loving it. He is loving it right now. What a goal. What a goal.
0: He is the poster kid. It's crazy. I mean, it's just like, I mean, he was definitely seen, like, highly regarded coming up as a young kid. He still is so young, but yeah, the way him, and I would even throw in Martin Odegaard. Martin Odegaard, such a weird story, and he signed with Real Madrid when he was, what, 14 maybe, guys? And then for him to kind of go through these different Teams on loan and such, and then finally actually getting bought by Arsenal. What a steal he's been for this team. And so the two of them really have recharged this Arsenal um, front side of the team. And yeah, sublime finish from Bukaya Saka. Uh, But the little man, Lissandro Martinez, had something to say because in the 59th minute, he had a header uh, kind of, I think off a rebound perhaps from Ramsdale or off someone's head where he comes in and finishes it to get it 2-2. All things tied up, but Arsenal put things into overdrive. Um, and really, they were putting Manu deep into their own uh, half, putting the pressure on. Eddie and Kedia had a massive ball save from David De Gea in the 84th minute. And you guys thinking the clock's running out, not a real amount of time to actually get a goal in. However, he did have more to say because right at the death, Eddie and Kedia gets the winner with a cheeky heel flick off a of deflection to give the Gunners all three points, meaning Arsenal extend and keep their lead atop the Premier League table. And my question is, guys, are we back to the rivalry of old between Man U and Arsenal, the Wenger and Ferguson days? Are we now with Arteta and Ten Hog, Brandon, what do you think? Are we back to those old days again, back in 2023 now?
1: I sure hope so. Uh, I mean, I love the Pep Klopp rivalry. Um, I've said it many times on this podcast. That's been entertaining me the past couple years. Um, but man, this was a fun game. The first one was fun, really fun as well earlier in the season. So I hope this is here to stay because I am loving it.
2: Steve, you think
0: we're back to the old rivalry?
2: Uh, yeah, yeah, I think Arsenal's young squad you have the senior on the attacking trio of Enketia at 23 years old. Let that sink in for y'all. Good. Um, yeah, Arsenal looks really damn good, they're gonna be good for a while. Um, Emmanuel, you see that they're a team that kind of drops back a little bit using Weghurst to get through the year. I think they know where they're at now after this game but after this summer transfer window uh look for this man U arsenal matchup to get intense um it's gonna be awesome but yeah i would say these two teams are back back to their best ish i mean man you a little bit we'll, we'll figure it out how the season ends but um yeah they're competitive and that's awesome
0: yeah i think i agree with you i think Manchester United are the ones that have to figure it out more than Arsenal. I think we've talked up Arsenal in the past, you know, almost a year coming up of just they are a talented young team and Arteta is doing really well with them. But, man, you're the ones that still haven't figured out their ownership ownership situation. They brought in Tin Hogg only at the beginning of the season and they still have to make some changes on the defensive side. You brought in Lissandra Martinez and you have Rafael Varane, but you still want a little bit more depth. And you also need to figure out that striker situation, that big hole left by Cristiano Ronaldo. About that course, is probably not gonna be the guy. Um, it's definitely a, a just a stop for right now to keep the keep it from draining all the way out. But yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how this develops. We always love getting to see the best of teams. You know, it's fun, I guess, if you have a rival like Tottenham Arsenal. Always, say, oh, we finished above them. But really, it's awesome to have your teams playing at their best because it makes it more entertaining. It brings more value to the matchups more than just rolling and steamrolling over your opponents. So yeah, it's fun to have Manchester United, fun to have Arsenal and the top half playing their best football. And it'll be exciting to see what these teams can come up with in the coming seasons. Definitely keeping an eye on this matchup moving forward. But on the polar opposite side of the Premier League table, we've talked about these teams in the past week. So just how much they struggled. The questions surrounding their managers And we got some answers from this one. I'm talking about West Ham and Everton. Some bottom dwellers in the Premier League table. The cellar dwellers, you might say. And Jared Bowen, who was expecting twins, I hear in the news. He got in on scoring a double of his own on the field. Uh, An amazing day for him, getting two goals against Everton. Not a whole lot else actually happened this game. Everton really didn't have that many chances that... Even got them close to scoring goals. West Ham could have potentially had one or two more. I know Declan Rice could have had one he could have put away. At the end of the day, though, it doesn't matter uh, because we actually had our El Sakiko of the season and the end of the Frank Lampard era has come to Everton. Spending only a year with the club. <sighs> a sad day for the Evertonians. Their club just seems to be in complete disarray. And Stephen... Do you have maybe just a, a little in memoriam or something sweet to say about old Frank's time at Everton?
2: Let me take you back. A year ago, <laughs> Rafa Benitez has been sacked as Everton manager. And a young but dejected Frank Lampard out at Chelsea looks for a new opportunity. Looks for, dare I say, like a pioneer looking for the gold rush in the West. Sees his opportunity in Everton. Signs with Everton as the head coach, implements his play style, and they don't need Richarlison. They don't need him. He's not worried about that because they have Onana in the midfield. They have they have Deli Ali, but then they don't even need Deli Alli, So they they loan them out to Bashitas. um, and Frank Lampard system turns out to be an utter failure. Uh this man, poor poor Frankie Frank. Uh, dare I say, his probably last coaching gig in the Premier League after this stint. Uh, winless in their last eight Premier League matches under Frank Lampard dating back to October. Do you want to know who beat them in October? Uh, Tottenham I do. Hotspur. Two zero, 0 You know, Frank, you know, I love you. You know, you played for NYCFC, MLS legend Frank Lampard, as we, of course, all know him more famously than the Premier League stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, once called a White Hart Lane three-point lane. And he only won two <laughs> games this year, so yikes! Uh, yeah, Frank Lampard is out as Everton's manager. Not even a year on the job. Um, that's rough, so it's really tough. Uh, it's Everton, seventh manager in seven years. Um, I think jo- I think Jordan Pickford has started for literally five different managers, six different managers, um, so... That's pretty crazy. Um, dare I say it's not the manager? Maybe it's uh, a little bit higher up. I don't know. But, hey, Frank, I know you're watching, so my heart goes out to you. Um, and once we fire Gonzalo Pineda at Lanny United, come on come on down to dirty, bit of dirty South, my friend. We'll get you some wings. And uh, you can implement your play style there. I'm I'm about it.
0: Sure, why not? Why not? Uh, Brandon, for you, this probably doesn't come as any surprise, so it's time to look forward for Everton. Who do they bring in next to replace him as their eighth manager in seven years?
1: I'm shocked that they fired Frank Lampard. I mean, winless since October, you said? I mean, the writing was on the wall, man. Ugh, it's they look bad. Um, they don't have awful players, like definitely not bottom three. But yeah, he's not a great coach, um, probably in the same level as Steven Gerrard. Um, and they'll probably just co coach a League One team together or something. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, two, two of the worst managers I've ever seen. Uh, Premier League managers, that is. Um, anywho, rumor next. I don't know, man. We, there's a, so many rumors going around about who's going to be next Everton manager. But you know what we said last week and the week before? I have my money on Sean Dyche. And Sean Dyche, believe it or not, is the favorite to take over. I did not know that until today. Um, so there you go. That would be the best signing in my humble opinion. Um, he will get the most out of this team, no doubt. They will get out of relegation, and they will stay up another year. But a fun one that, if you're into the funds, Marcelo Bielsa would be an amazing signing to bring him back in. Um, Just for half a season, Marcelo Bielsa. Maybe not, maybe for longer, but... um, That'd be crazy to bring Marcelo Bielsa back to the the Premier League. Could you imagine if he comes back and they and Everton end up higher than Leeds and Leeds go down or something crazy? Like that's the drama that I need in my life. So maybe I'm for Bielsa as well. So yeah, we'll see.
0: What madness. What what a mess Everton is. It's just <laughs> This is a club that should not be in this position. They have squandered so many great talents. They have had plenty of opportunities to get out of this relegation zone. It's just they squandered. They have made bad appointments. They haven't invested in the right players. The ownership, obviously, I think you mentioned it, are the ones to blame. They have just ruined this club and are now in danger of being sent down for the first time in the history of their club. They're the last team standing in the Premier League to never be sent down. Now that could be happening in 2023, which is just an insane thought. Um, I I don't want to see it, but I think we just said this a couple of days ago. It's just it might be the best thing for them. They're going to have to offload a lot of talent. There's no way you're going to keep England's number one in the championship. So you're going to be losing players. You're going to be having to give up a lot, Steven. So in your eyes, I mean, what's going to happen next?
2: Oh, man. See, I'm on the opposite spectrum of my man Brandon here, which doesn't happen too often. Um, I think bielsa is the worst thing you could do for this club right now (laughs) um at this point to these players they don't need to learn bielsa ball that's the last thing they need to learn when they're in a relegation fight in my opinion um the manager that i want to see step into this role is duncan ferguson caretaker manager of everton Um, And the 2019 and 2022 seasons, after Marco Silva was let go, he stepped in. And after uh, Benitez was let go, he also stepped in. uh, Was a part of keeping Everton up both those seasons. Left Everton this past summer um, as an assistant coach to pursue his own managerial ambitions. This is a familiar face to these players And I think that says a lot about what they need right now. At this point, to me, it's not about football. It's not about play style. You have the talent. You really do. Everton has a negative 13 goal differential, which is 16th in the Premier League. It's definitely not where they're at right now. Um, So they have the talent to be better than what they are. I like Duncan Ferguson coming in as this role as the manager. We'll see what happens. I also love Sean Dyche. Great shout as well. Um, ESPN FC Mark Ogden was saying something about how uh, he has a source inside of the Everton club that there might be some differences of opinion with Sean Dyche. That he might not be favored for whatever reason, which I think would be, I think is stupid. But if you're not going to go with Sean Dyche, I think Duncan Ferguson is your man, has been with this club in trying times, and he isn't a stranger. He's not going to try to implement his own play style, all this kinds of stuff like that. But this is a drama that I got my eyes on. Uh, the best reality TV you can watch here, folks, is a club. If they lose hundreds of millions of pounds getting relegated or they stay at the top of the Premier League, it makes and breaks people. So tune in. This,
0: this is a club I wish we had like the all or nothing insider information oh on that we could be God. seeing what's happening in the locker room. To see to see them go down they're in the locker room, relegated with the the behind-the-scenes cameras would just be incredible. Yeah, I know, I agree. I think Dunk is probably the second-best option behind Sean Dyche. I think Sean Dyche deserves to be in the Premier League. Yes. He might have to be in the championship, but bring them back to the Premier League. Um, But, yeah, people speak very highly of him. Smart guy, smart coach, and deserves to be um, managing a good team in the Premier League, and I think this is the best chance for him. Maybe salvage their season, keep them up. Or if they go down, obviously he has great experience in the championship and should be fine getting them back up in no time. Well, the last game that we will talk about from Match Week 21 is once again time finishing out things. Because they had the delayed game with Man City, they had to play another one this week against Fulham, the originally scheduled one. And this one was, um, it was was an okay game. Uh, Fulham, they got on the front foot early for about the first 20, 25 minutes. Um, linking up their pass as well, putting some pressure on Tottenham's goal. Uh, you know, that shaky defense we've talked about. Um, but they actually did play decently well, that defense, because Fulham failed to take advantage of their play and leave with no goals in the entire day. Um, in contrast, though, Tottenham do get a goal in the contest, and it comes from who else than Harry Kane right before halftime. This guy now ties Jimmy Greaves to the most Tottenham goals and also is now one shy of 200 Premier League goals in his career. He's right there on the cusp of history. We'll see when he actually achieves it. Um, It could come as soon as that Manchester City game that we mentioned. Um, But it'll be fun to see what happens regardless. Um, He also played with a fever on the day. So the fact that he was even in the starting lineup is a pretty amazing feat. He had his Michael Jordan flu game of sorts for Tottenham. Um, But they get the job done for Spurs, help solidify their spot in fifth place, and they'll hope to do something good on the weekend in the FA Cup, as we'll mention that pretty soon. With some other games going on in the Cup season, we have the Carabao and FA Cup. Uh, The Carabao Cup is down to the semifinals with some interesting matchups that I'm sure no one in the preseason would have predicted, the first one being Southampton versus Newcastle. These teams have never played each other in the Carabao Cup, and the last two games in the Premier League were both Newcastle wins, going 4-1 and 2-1. And guys, you got you you know about this Newcastle defense. Steven, they've only allowed eleven goals all season in the Premier League and currently sit third. They've beaten Leicester, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, and Tramere to this point to get to the Carabao Cup semifinal. And Southampton have allowed 35 goals all season in the Premier Premier League and sit bottom. Whew. But they did beat Manchester City. So that's kind of cool. They got to the semifinal doing that. Uh, but for you guys, is this just a foregone conclusion that Newcastle's going to win, Brandon? Or do you believe Southampton has a miracle in them to achieve some glory?
1: I think I had to talk Steven out of a, of a bet um, earlier tonight. Uh, he might replace it. Me? But I think Newcastle will win over the two legs. It is, it is a home and away, so it's an aggregate two-leg uh, semifinal. I think Newcastle will win. This game is at Southampton, I believe, so who knows? They've they've had, I think before they lost to Villa, they were on a three-game win streak, I want to say. So who knows? I mean, maybe the Cup, maybe they're circling these Cup games, be like, we got to give it our all. This is sort of our, our chance. We're probably going to go down this year, but if we win a trophy, it might be worth it. I don't know. I would watch out. Um, you don't just randomly beat Man City, you know, so... Um, You have to be some sort of good to do that. So I would watch out. Um, I I think Newcastle is definitely the favorite, but Southampton could put up a good fight.
0: Steve, is there a miracle in the Carabao Cup happening for Southampton?
2: One of these things is not like the other, my friend. And that being uh, league form and cup competitions. They call it the magic of the cup. It gives people hope in six-tier English football. Ryan Reynolds is hoping that he figures out what the Carabao Cup even is um, one day in his lifetime of owning Wrexham. Uh, but, yeah, I could see, I could see it happening. I mean, who knows? Newcastle, Southampton, like you said. Who could have thunk it? Um Tottenham can't beat Man City when they're gifted two goals in a box, but Southampton did it. So I think at this point, especially over two games, it's going to be really interesting. If I had to bet, it would be on Newcastle, but with James Ward-Prowse and those beautiful set pieces, I don't know what I would pick, honestly. Yeah, he is
0: carrying this team, especially those beautiful goals. He is incredible with that. Um, the other one on the docket, we have Man U versus Nottingham Forest. Again, Nottingham Forest making it to a cup semifinal, their first time back in the Premier League. Pretty remarkable. Uh, these two teams have never played each other in the Carabao Cup. But Nottingham Forest, they haven't even beaten Man U since 1994. That was in the Premier League back in the day. That's a long time. I was not alive. None of us were alive for that. Um, but they do currently sit 13th in the Premier League table, which so is pretty good considering all the players that they brought in—a whole new entire squad. Um, yeah, they have 16 goals for, 35 against. That's so not a great differential, um, but they've beat Wolves, Blackburn Rovers, Tottenham, and Grimsby Town to get to this point. But Man City—they like we've talked about—have been a good team in form. Uh, the goal differential is at 32 for, 25 against, and they beat Charlton, Burnley, and Villa to get to this point. I personally think that the favorites will probably take this one. Um, but Brandon, this is probably the better of the two matchups. You would argue, Forrest probably has a decent chance to beat Man U, especially since they've beat Tottenham to get to this point. Uh, who would you favor in this matchup, or maybe not favor, but um, do not even Forest really have a chance?
1: Mm, no, no. I think they might have a ten percent chance to go to the final, if that. Uh, the way Manchester United have been playing recently, there's, in my mind, 0% chance Nottingham Forest goes through. Um, they might win their home leg, but this, is, this game's at Manchester United, and after this leg, it might be over, to be completely honest with you. So, I don't know, we'll see, um, but um, Nottingham Forest is staying up in the Premier League, and I think that's really all that matters, so there you go.
0: Steve, is there hope for the Forest?
2: Here's the thing that we just talked about Newcastle, right? Newcastle being above Manchester United, playing the last team in the league. And we're like, maybe. Uh, but when we're talking about United, who's sitting in fourth right now, uh, still in the conversation, might not even finish in a Champions League spot, playing against uh, 13th Nottingham Forest, uh, a lot better than 20th Southampton. It's It's... It's Manchester United, right? Wipe it up. I don't know. It's weird. That's again, like I said, one of these things is not like the other. Uh, I don't think Forrest is gonna take down United. I can't give you analytical reasons why they beat Tottenham. So what? Tottenham was gonna win the Carabao Cup anyways. We're having a phobia of trophies. So, but Man United doesn't. So that's why I think they're gonna take the cake this time. So, and Rash Bean and the boys are looking really good.
0: Rashbean, yeah, he's on fire. Um, On the red side of Manchester, there's another great matchup happening in the FA Cup. Manchester City taking on number one, Arsenal. If only this was a Premier League matchup, it'd be awesome. But it is the FA Cup. Um, The last time they faced each other in the FA Cup was in 2020. And Arsenal actually won 2-0. But as far as the other last four meetings and together, City has won 2-1, 5-0, 1-0, and 4-1. So definitely in favor of Manchester City on this one as far as the history goes. Uh, But the question really is at this point, Pep mentioned it recently, I think his priority is Champions League. That's just the only thing they haven't won. It's insane. They've gotten close. They lost that final to Chelsea. Um, So really, it's going to be a question, are we going to see their strongest team? they Are going to try to keep guys healthy? Who are they going to throw out? Um, Brandon, if you had to predict... Do you really think anyone's going to be throwing their strongest at each other? They're going to be kind of playing it safe because the Premier League title race is so important and Champions League for City.
1: Yeah, I'm really interested to see. I I honestly don't know. I think Man City will play a pretty strong lineup. Um, probably th- three kids and, like, a mix of their, their normal squad because um, they're, they're rotating. I think most players play about 60% of minutes anyways, so... Pep is a master uh, rotator uh, of the squads. Arteta, um, I don't know. I, I, I these guys are basically serial winners. They, they Arteta is not as up there as Pep yet, but he worked under Pep. It, it's a mindset thing. I think both this game is going to be really, really entertaining. Um, hopefully, they both play pretty strong squads though.
0: Steve, do you think this could be maybe a preview of what we see in their actual Premier League matchup on mid-February?
2: Mm, I want to say no. Uh, cup games are just different, like you just touched on. Um, if this is a Premier League matchup, I think it's it's more intense. It's the FA Cup. that it's We're not in the semifinals. We're not even in the quarterfinals. So... Um, if these teams were to go head to head, maybe a little bit later in the stage of the competition, I could see maybe more of a game. I might come 100% be wrong. I have no idea, honestly, but, um, I think it's different. I do think it's different, um, for the mentions, like you said, um, premier league title contention pep says he doesn't care. Well, maybe if he doesn't care, he throws out his strongest team. I mean, I don't know. Um, so he, said he doesn't care about the premier league to be clear uh but who knows if you're buying that or not or so we'll just have to see when the lineups are announced so i think they'll give us a pretty good indication on um what's going to be going down
0: well if you're a betting person um the game i'm about to talk about between brighton and liverpool you probably don't want to touch with the 10-foot pole because you just don't know what's going to happen uh this little team a year ago you definitely want to put your money on them um these teams have played once in the fa cup before Liverpool won 6-1 in 2012, but a couple weeks ago, Brighton just smashed Liverpool 3-0. So, uh, not an easy one to predict. You don't know what you're going to get. Uh, it's like a box of chocolates, as Forrest Gump would say. Uh, some thoughts on this one. I just have no idea how you can predict it. Liverpool one day can be world beaters, and one day they look like bottom dwellers, just like a Southampton team could. Mo Salah hasn't been himself. Darwin Nunes couldn't hit the broad side of a barn and Cody Gakpo still has not found himself comfortable in that Liverpool lineup. So, some thoughts on this one, guys. Anyone excited for this matchup between Brighton and Liverpool?
1: (laughs) I am. I think it's a great matchup. I think Liverpool will play their kids because they're trying to hang on for dear life in the Premier League and get prepared and healthy for the Champions League, like I mentioned earlier. Brighton deserve I mean... Yeah, it'd be great if they made Champions League or made a European spot. I think they definitely deserve it up to, up to this point. But could you, could you imagine being a coach and deserving, coming in and saying, okay, yeah, we might finish 5th, 6th, 7th this year, get into Europe, and then uh, also have a trophy at the end of the year, potentially? And we beat Liverpool along the way. We did all this. I mean, what a storyline that would be. I'm sure he has this circled. Brian's going to play a strong squad, I'd guess. Um... I'm excited for it. I think Brighton will win again.
0: I like it. I like it. Well, that pretty much concludes our previews of the FA Cup. We may have some bets of who we think will win these games coming down very soon, but we want to have a quick segment around the world. Sometimes it's over the pond, as we say, and some big news coming out of Syria and Italy. The FIGC prosecutor has ruled that Juventus will be given a 15-point deduction as a result of the Plus Valenza case, which basically means the club violated capital gain violations during the pandemic, essentially behind closed doors saying, hey, we're not going to pay our players, and but really under the table we are. And there's some pretty um, big characters involved in this, all the way from management, even down to the squad including the likes of Chiellini. Kind of crazy. Um, some mixed reviews of whether the deduction has actually taken place. I believe it has. Um, I'm pretty sure you look at the Serie A table. They've already dropped, I think, from 5th or 6th place all the way down to 10th, which is pretty substantial. Uh, that basically leaves them 14 points from that 4th place spot that Roma and Inter are currently occupying at 37 points. Um, but even, <laughs> Steve, this has been fun. Even our uh, our own football director, uh, Fabio uh, Piratici, has been involved because he was at Juventus during this time and was doing some of the dealings involving these financial kind of loopholes, you could say, and could potentially be facing a ban in Italy and potentially around the world with, through UEFA and FIFA. So some big ramifications that in, sucks to include Tottenham in this one, but... Uh, we'll be seeing if there's more to come from this regarding Juventus, um, if there might actually be, like they've had in the past, a Serie A ban for a year, essentially relegating them down to the second league. That would be pretty crazy to see them have to overcome again. Um, seeing them play the likes of our club like Venezia and all of them would be pretty crazy. Uh, are you guys concerned for Juventus's long-term future if this really does come to effect, like a relegation to the second league guys?
1: I don't, I don't know if I care too much, to be completely honest. Uh, <laughs> it would be weird to see. Wow, these, these These guys also wanted the Super League, and for obvious reasons. Uh, <clears throat> uh, so, yeah, I, they can do what they want. They can go make their own league with Barcelona if they want, for all
0: I care. Steve, yeah. you share the same reaction?
2: I mean... I- I mean I care I guess more than Brandon um but I think pump the brakes uh buster on this team getting uh down to the to the second division of Italian football Um, I believe they are appealing it, Um, and if there's one thing I know, it's that football is the most corrupt sport in the world, so hold your horses on this deduction, hold your horses on um, the powers that be, because they've been investigated for this for a little while, they were found innocent before, and then now they're handed the 15-point deduction, so they're going to be appealing, they're going to lawyer up, and maybe maybe some money comes under the table and it ends up all being all right. Right. So um, I don't think this will be a situation of them being out of Syria. I do not. And it's a setback. It's not, it's not good for the club. It's not good branding or image for the club. Um, But at the end of the day, Juventus is whether you like it or not. My, my, my compatriot brandon does not like they're the superpower of football they're one of those top teams that just has influence um and money tied up to where you and i don't even know exists so um if my money's anywhere it's on juventus getting off um definitely scot free in the sense of not they're going to be in syria i would be shocked if anything like detrimental comes out of this investigation like that but um but it's funny. It's comical. It's soccer. Um, you can go ahead and uh, place your bets for the next team uh, over the next couple of years who's going to be next on uh, getting points deducted for corruption.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty sad that it's become the, the modern state of football um, across all the league, it seems. And even the idea, I've seen the headlines on an individual level. You have Messi now, who has this partnership with I want to say Saudi Arabia, and they have a bid they want to do for the 2030 World Cup. Well, guess who also wants to bring the World Cup is Argentina. Well, all this money going one way or another might bring some conflict. And it's just, it's embedded. All the money issues, all the corruption is so embedded into this culture of modern soccer where it's just become inescapable practically, uh, which can definitely make the the normal fan, the fan that's just there for the love of the game, can be very disappointing, um, especially with the likes of the Super League Rumors and all that still lingering. It's definitely an interesting time for the modern world game. But on the other side of the world, we have U.S. men's national team in a glorified MLS camp, still with no man actually leading the charge. They play Serbia and Colombia. Um, Some guys that make the team for the first time. A little bit of a spotlight on the likes of Gaga Selena, who actually made a move to Chelsea, actually getting some game time. Um, Obviously, like we talked about, Julian Gressel, Um, getting his chance, and Walker Zimmerman back with the team after the World Cup. I think him and Kellen Acosta will be the kind of two veterans that were a part of that World Cup squad that'll get the chance to play. So maybe worth watching. I can't totally recommend it because there's some pretty good FA Cup games. But if you're around a TV, had the opportunity to watch it, I guess I can recommend you watch the boys in red, white, and blue over the week. Uh, That's up to you. We'll give that shout for you just to figure it out on your own. But that brings us to our final segment. You betcha our opportunity as unprofessional amateur bettors to not give you any recommendations on what to do with your money, but for us as something fun to do on the side. And, Stephen, I want to begin with your lock on the week. Who are you going to lock in for your bet? And perhaps the FA Cup, most importantly, your bet is...
2: Uh, yes, 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 yes. It's going to be on my Burnley boys, talking about Sean Dyche earlier in the podcast, his former club that he got sacked from. Uh, Burnley's playing Ipswich Town. Burnley is top of the league in the championship They are 18 points clear of automatic promotion to the Premier League. So, if you don't remember them, you better start because they're going to be back, baby. Uh, They're playing Ipswich Town, who is third in League One. And these betting odds. Let's get down to it. They're plus 110 on the day. They are unbeaten in their last six. Uh, Actually, they've won. Correction. They've won their past six in a row. Just dispatching um, the likes of Bournemouth, 4-2. So this team's good. They're rocking. They just took down a Premier League team, and now they're having to play a League One team. My money's on Burnley. Lock it in. Um, I am selling my car and putting all that money on this game. <laughs>
0: Vincent Kompany, the protege of Pep Guardiola, coming over from Royal Intwerp and making his way to the championship. Impressing, as you just mentioned. 18 points. That's massive, to be clear, in the zone like that. Um, pretty amazing. Brandon, your lock on the week is who?
1: Yeah, this one's sort of hard, but I saw the odds and I was like, what in the world? Arsenal, plus 320 to beat Man City in the FA Cup. Are you kidding me? They must they must know something I don't. Um, because I'm expecting two strong squads to go out there and fight. So I don't know if this is necessarily a lock per se, um, but... I would definitely bet that Arsenal would beat Man City, um, especially for the fact that Arsenal, the last two times they played in the FA Cup, have beat Man City. Um, So, Arsenal are flying. Relatively easy lock for me, I guess. Um, But I also wanted to mention another one. You sort of mentioned it earlier, Steve. Wrexham, hello! They're going against Sheffield United. And if I have my... uh, my thing's right. I think Sheffield United is in second, yes, uh, on 57 points in the championship. Um, that also gets you automatic promotion to the Premier League. So this Sheffield United team is really, really good. But if you want to throw a dollar or two on Wrexham, which I might be doing, it's plus 320 to win against <laughs> Sheffield. And it's the cup, baby. It is the cup. So that's that's uh, not a lock, but a fun bet.
0: Hey, you do you, fam. I'm sure you've probably watched some of that Hula documentary, Wrexham. Is it Wrexham Till I Die? No, what is it? Whatever it is, it's definitely entertaining. Welcome to to watch. I do recommend that more than the U.S. men's national team. Welcome to Wrexham, that's right. Um, my lock is two, actually. I'm taking the lock Newcastle over Southampton in the semifinal of the Carabao Cup and also Manchester United over Nottingham Forest. These two teams have not played each other in a final since 1999. That was the last time Newcastle made a final. And so, I believe this could be the great time for a rematch. I'm taking Newcastle over Southampton at negative 135, and a potential rematch would be really cool to see. Obviously, the controversy of Newcastle's ownership, but as a fan, how fun would it be to see them return to some sort of glory since 1999? I'm all in on a rematch between the Red Devils and the Toons. Give me it all. That's my lock in on the week. It should be hopefully a fun matchup if that happens. Well, and thus we have reached the conclusion of yet another episode of the supporter section. We hope you enjoyed our time together on the show. If you made it this far, go ahead and leave a like and subscribe if you have not already. That would be great, greatly appreciated from us. Um, but yeah, please do. Um, for us, I've been Cole Carter. They've been Brandon pacenick and Steven Curl. Enjoy another loaded week of football. Until the next one, peace out, everybody. See ya.